to the Thrive Podcast. I'm Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll share all we've learned about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. I'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Morning. I am so excited by today's podcast episode, and I think it sounds a wee bit echoey, but we shall make do with what we have, yeah? Yeah. And today, I wanted to talk to you about the ins and outs of buying an existing flower business. And before you say, I have no interest in buying an existing flower business, even if you have no interest in buying an existing flower business, this episode is totally worthwhile for when it comes to the point of you selling your business. Now, this may come as news to you. In starting a business, you are creating something of value. And that thing can be sold when you decide it is no longer right for you. It is not a matter of simply just closing the door and walking away. But what you are doing is laying the foundation for building a business that then has value in the marketplace and can be on-sold to somebody else for a profit. And if you are in the new world of trying to grow your flower empire... I want you to give some serious consideration to the potential of buying somebody else's business. The whole world of buying and selling a business is a space that we only learned about because we bought a business. (laughs) And I am so grateful that I had my father to talk through all of the ins and outs and who's and what's and what the shit is this all about. Because... It's intensely complicated, but I will tell you right now, 100% one of the top five best decisions I have ever made in my entire life was buying that daggy flower shop. And so today, I'm going to talk you through the ins and outs and the goods and the bads and what you need to know and arm you with information for giving some very active consideration to buying an existing flower business. And I'm going to repeat this again. If you are the type of person who is thinking, I don't know, Kathleen, I don't really have much interest in buying somebody else's business. That's fine. A, I can guarantee you you're going to learn something. B, keep in the back of your head that this business that you are owning and operating has value to it. You can on-sell it to somebody else when you choose it is no longer right for you. And these are all of the things that you're going to want to think about when it comes to selling your business. Whether that's an actual bricks and mortar retail business, a wedding and events business, a funeral business, a weekly corporate business, even a flower farm, all of the things. Yes. So before we get into today's episode, I want to share with you guys the review of the week. And thank you guys for jumping in and adding in the reviews. It's so incredibly helpful to help spread the word, share the love, share the joy, and get all this goodness out into the beautiful wide world. So this review was left by IMKA73. Huge thanks for encouraging me to put my big girl pants on, knuckle down, and get her done. 
too much love for this podcast. Thank you so much for leaving that review. And I have to say, I am wearing my big girl pants today, and they happen to be my Lululemon yoga pants. Very important. (laughs) One of the things I absolutely love about doing this whole podcast is that I can shower, put on my makeup, and then put on my workout clothes. Because I'm going to be at home, and I'm going to head to the grocery store, and I have started caring less and less and less in the most intentional way, about what I look like when I go out into the world. Anyway, that's fun. So thank you guys for leaving the reviews. And go in, jump into iTunes, leave a review, and I will continue to share the review of the week. So let us get in to the good stuff. The ins and outs of buying a flower business. It's a weird space. It's a space that is so foreign because it's not really talked about because what you're doing is you're buying a small business and you can Google flower business for sale and you will find in your area that there will be businesses for sale that you didn't realize that were for sale. And I am going to talk you through how many pieces of information. Well, I've got a list of 14, so hopefully it's not too overwhelming, but... Let me give you an overview, first of all, of what it is you are actually buying when you buy a flower shop, because you might be sitting there going, I don't really understand this. And it's fair, because there is a big pile of, like, nebulousness that you're buying when you buy an existing flower business, plus some very real and physical assets. So... Let's start with the easy stuff, the physical stuff. And this is going to depend entirely on the type of business that you're buying. But I can even tell you it's going to apply for businesses that are not even business flower businesses. So it could apply to a woman's clothing shop, card shop, restaurant, everything, right? So you are going to be buying, first of all, some physical stuff. In the case of a flower business, that is going to be furniture, possibly a cool room, sink, Buckets, vases, maybe a point of sale system, printers, workstations, scissors, snips, cupboards, like all of the actual physical assets that sit with that business. So if that's a retail shop, you can envision walking into a retail shop and there are some physical things that you can touch, you can handle. You might be buying somebody's home studio no you're not actually buying their home but you're buying all the physical assets that fit within their studios so it could be everything from like the mirrors that sit on the wall to the shelving units to all the buckets that they have to all their styling and props to chicken wire parafilm snips scissors twine all the little bits and pieces right so it's everything that you can touch and technically speaking your accountant will divide things into inventory and then assets of the business, right? So inventory is anything that you can on-sell to a customer at value, right? So flowers are actually considered inventory. Vases, if you're selling them on to a client, are considered inventory, whereas a workbench or a point-of-sale system or a cool room are considered physical assets of a business. Now, Follow me here. When I say, when you look at how the business is being sold, it's possible that they're selling in stock at value. 
right? So what they're saying is they're going to supply you with a certain amount of stock and then you're going to pay for that stock separately to the price of the business that you're buying. In most cases, actually I shouldn't even say that because I don't even know if that's true. Some cases, the listed price that they're selling a business for may include the stock on hand. In some cases, it's going to say plus SOV, which means stock of value. It's all okay and totally possible to sort through that. Just be confident in the language that they're using when they post the business for sale. Now, what you're actually mostly buying through the value of the business and the purchase price that you're paying is this thing called goodwill. And that is entirely like I in my like photographic brain I kind of think of that as like a cloud of nebulous goodness it is goodwill is a combination it is the value of the business among the customers in your market so it could be and in many cases your goodwill is actually then going to be that the thing that captures Assets such as your website, the shop location, social media outlets like the Instagram following, Facebook following, Twitter following, your phone number, a list of customers, a possible email database. It's a combination and it's incredibly hard to define, but it is essentially the value that, in quotes, the market has put on your business and you need to, to some degree, basically just accept the fact that accountants know what they're talking about when it comes to goodwill. So if you Google asset sheet, and I know nobody out there is ever going to do this, but you could because this is a really geeky business thing to do, but Your accountant, if you have an accountant, will have gone in and if you're using a piece of online software, you can look these reports up and you will have on your asset sheet a line item that is called goodwill. When you're first starting a business out, that number is going to be very small, but over time that number could get up to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 200, 300, 400,000 dollars because it's essentially putting an actual value on the brand and reputation of your business. In many cases, the longer your business has been in existence, the higher the goodwill number. So this is where I strongly believe it's really important to have access to a reputable, credible accountant because they sit there and they actually put values around these goodwill figures. So when you're going out to buy a business, it's going to be a combination of physical bits and bobs and then this thing called goodwill. So accountants do have rules of thumb around how much goodwill should be allocated to a specific business. There is a whole industry of people who sit at their desks and evaluate and come up with prices for businesses. You can go out there and get your business valued as part of the process of putting it up for sale. You can also go out there and assign an accountant to value a business that you are looking at purchasing. It is 
as close to kind of mathematical science as you could possibly get. It's a lot of spreadsheets. It's a lot of ins and outs. It's a lot of understanding the marketplace, understanding the footprint that you're operating in, understanding the market potential. And you don't necessarily need to understand how to do it, but you absolutely do need to find yourself a person who can help do it for you and somebody who has a good track record and somebody who is credited. Right? So I know that sounds scary and sounds daunting, but that is the biggest thing in terms of identifying the value of a business. Get yourself a hold of an accountant or two or three who you trust, who have a good reputation, who can help you sort through these things. Buying a business is a little bit more nebulous than buying a house because your house is so much more around the physical assets that you're buying. 100%. If you're buying a house, there is going to be value that the market has put on that house that essentially matches the rate of inflation over time. So when you're buying a house, you're going to be buying the actual physical value of the build of that house, the design of that house, the fit out of that house, what's been put in the garden, the location, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, there's also going to be the fact that all of those things have increased in value over time. Same thing with a business. You're buying the physical assets that sit there, the inventory that you can sell for a profit, and then the good goodwill or the value that the market has put on that business because it has existed for X number of years or decades. So find yourself a good accountant. When you found yourself a good accountant, or if you are thinking about approaching a business directly, because you can, you can simply send them an email and say, hey, I saw your posting. Can you send me A, B, and C? So the first thing is do not be alarmed if you are asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Almost every single flower business that I know of is privately held. And if somebody came up to me and said, hey, can you send me your P&L statements or all of your financial details for the past three years? I'd be like, "Mm, I don't really want to share that with you, thanks. But would feel much more comfortable doing that if I knew that they were legally bound to not share that information with anyone. So do not be alarmed. Do not be shocked. It's a very legitimate business thing to do to ask to be signing a non-disclosure agreement if you're going to be looking at somebody's financial statements. That non-disclosure agreement purely says you are not allowed to go out and shout from the rooftops the things that you learn about this business. Treat that with professionalism. Treat that business owner the way that you would want to be treated. Have the utmost respect and appreciation for what they're doing and please don't go out there and shout from the rooftops their annual turnover, how much they pay for salaries, how much they pay for rent, all of the things. So after you've signed, potentially signed that non-disclosure agreement, what you want to be asking for is the last three full years of their profit and loss statements. So that profit and loss statement needs to come from a certified accredited accountant, not simply somebody putting numbers down on an Excel spreadsheet. 
and some things that you are going to be looking for now. Sidebar. If you have never seen a profit and loss statement, Google it. Just Google profit and loss statement and go to the images section in Google and just see what they look like. It's essentially a chart and at the top of that chart is going to be a line item that says total sales and then there may be like one or two lines underneath that and then it's going to say costs of good sold. So in many cases, I think in all cases, your profit and loss statement is going to have numbers that are reflected before tax. So just keep that in mind. So the top of the statement is going to be total sales. And then one or two lines beneath that is going to be a line item called costs of good sold. So what you want to look at is total sales over the last three full years. Costs of goods sold, so that is how much did they spend on inventory to then deliver that total sales. And then you want to jump down and look at the total wages paid. And in Australia, you'll also have a separate line item that says superannuation. And then you can look through the profit and loss and just see if there's any major anomalies. There might be things like one year there's a $4,000 legal item, the next year there's $100,000 spent on advertising. It's not to say that any of those things are wrong, just simply feel comfortable looking at the profit and loss statement and look at these figures. So the biggest thing you're going to be looking at are total annual sales, and remember that's before tax, the cost of goods sold, and if you are comfortable figuring out the percentage of your cost of goods sold to your total sales revenue, you also want to be looking at your wages and your superannuation. Now, the benefit of if a business is posted for sale and it's posted through a business broker, then they will have pulled together a little bit of collateral that outlines these figures for you. So they will have outlined you know, how much the owner-operator income is. They will outline the total annual turnover, which is the same as total annual sales. Then you can look at the cost of goods sold or the inventory and create a percentage out of the total sales revenue. Now, this may come as a shock to you, but in Australia, and I would assume in other places around the world, in Australia, the Australian Tax Office actually has set ratios or benchmarks of cost of goods sold to total revenue. They look at those benchmarks to make sure that you're not laundering money. <laughs> but if you're at all curious, Google, even if you're not in Australia, Google Australian Tax Office Floral Business or Florist and even just type in like ratio and you'll get pointed in that direction. So if you're at all curious, your accountant in Australia will know those facts and figures, but you can also just look up that information for your own information and for your own confidence. So that is what a P&L statement is all about. In most cases, your total sales will increase a little bit year upon year. But it's also okay if it's not. And I know that sounds crazy because you might be thinking, oh, but their sales are going down. But it could be that the market reality is changing. And I will get into that a little bit more. But 
Don't be surprised if you feel like the sales are actually going down a little bit. That is not necessarily a reason to not buy a business. Essentially, their profit and loss statement is going to be the single best way that you can get a kind of a heartbeat, a pulse, a gauge on that business and how the structure is currently set up. So the next thing you're going to want to ask the existing owner of the business is if they can send you through or they can talk you through a weekly roster and a staff summary that includes the hourly wage beside each. And I will put in a giant asterisk here to say, do your due diligence and check the math to make sure that that roster adds up to what they have outlined on their P&L statement. It is very possible that it is different. It is very possible that an existing business has been paying their staff cash and not declaring it to the tax office. That is their decision. They are entitled to run their business how they want to run it, but I would highly encourage you to redo the roster, find the salaries based on the retail wages agreement in Australia, which are going to be way higher than you expect them to be, and do the roster again and see what that works out to over an annual basis. This is simply an exercise of math and doing your due diligence to understand the reality of how much staff it takes to run that business. It's very possible that you're also actually looking at a business that is a single owner operator and there is no staff or there is just freelancers. That one will be much easier to figure out because they will have listed separately the owner operator salary. And then they may have listed separately the freelancers that they use and the rates that they pay them. But I will tell you now, if you're looking at buying a physical brick and mortar retail shop and they have a roster of staff, go through the exercise, get the existing owner to send you through an example roster, the hours that the shop is currently open, and then do the math yourself. You will be grateful for having done this homework before you get in to the business itself. So the next question to ask is ask the existing business owner to break out for you in writing, even if it's just in an email, the sales by category or the revenue by category. So what I mean by category is the total sales done over the year by walk-in, Online, phone, weddings, events, funerals, corporate work, workshops, network, meaning if they're part of any petals or interflora. A savvy business owner will be able to tell you these percentages. Now, it is entirely possible that the existing business has not implemented a formal point of sale system, so they don't have these numbers at hand, but they will be able to tell you intuitively what the breakdown is. And if they don't know, or if they are not going to tell you, or if you don't even necessarily feel confident in their responses... 
I will tell you right now that you are in a massive position of authority and power and have the ability to negotiate the asking price. And what's even better, if you can ask them to outline those figures over the course of multiple years, that's an amazing bonus. But I will possibly go on a major tangent at this point and say, one of the reasons I am so grateful that we bought the business that we did is because it had a massive allocation of goodwill to it, but it had a massive, like massive, massive potential. It was a business that had not been actively progressed in at least five years. The cash machine, when we bought it, was one of those old school ticka, 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 ticka. It was covered in helium balloons, artificial flowers, pink and blue teddy bears. We, over the course of four years, pushed that business so far into the future and we implemented a point of sale system where at any given moment of time, we can pull up and understand the percentage of walk-in online phone, weddings, events, funerals, corporate work, workshop, network orders. We can also look at how those figures evolved and changed over time. So just because the existing owner doesn't necessarily know how this has evolved over time doesn't make it a bad business to buy because one of the things that you are looking for is potential. You know the old saying, you're looking for the worst house on the best street? I reckon when it comes to flower businesses, you're looking for the daggy one. You're looking for the one that you can evolve into the business that you want to work in. If there are still florists out there that are selling pink teddy bears and helium balloons and use polka dot ribbon, those are the businesses that you want to buy, even if you're in a small town. So this question about asking the existing owner to break down sales by category, if they don't know what that's looked like over the past few years, don't use that as a reason not to buy the business. Simply go in and try and understand and see if you're able to get access to the information and decipher it yourself. I will also tell you, and I will talk about the lease agreement in a couple points down, but one thing I will jump in here and tell you about is your physical retail shop location is going to become less and less and less important as you increase the number of sales that you take online, over the phone, the number of weddings that you book, the number of funerals that you book, the amount of corporate work that you take on, the number of workshops that you take. And that gives you increased bargaining power with the landlord. We noticed that over time that the percentage of orders that came in through walk-in in our business evolved so much over the course of the time of the window that we were in one location that it gave us the impetus to say you know what it's totally okay to pick up this retail shop that's been in this location for 28 years and move it next door massive decision but being able to capture that data and talk about and understand the percentage of walk-in online phone weddings events funerals corporate work workshops and network orders is what gave us the opportunity and opened our eyes to the potential about moving that business.
So that's a lot of information in itself. Food for thought. Don't forget, you can always come back and listen to this one later. So moving on to the next point. Do your on-the-ground homework. Check their Facebook reviews. Check their Google reviews. All the good ones, all the bad ones, and see what the owner's responses are. All of this is purely anecdotal, but it'll just give you a really good sense as to where this business sits in the minds of customers. 100% you or someone that you know and somebody that you trust do a mystery shop. Do a mystery shop and walk into the business and order something. Phone and go through their website. If they do deliveries, get them to deliver flowers to you. Understand what the current customer service experience is all about. Spend as much time as you like on their website. Put in an order if you want. Send flowers to yourself. You are entirely allowed to do that so you understand what it is that you will be buying. Spend time exploring the social channels. Go into the Instagram, see how many followers they have, see what kind of engagement they get. See who they're following. See how they're approaching promoting themselves on Instagram. Do the same with Facebook. Do the same with anything that you think you're going to be buying from them. Pretend like you are a customer. If they know who you are, then get somebody that you trust to do exactly the same thing. And... Next question, don't be shy and don't hesitate to ask the seller where they see the greatest potential for the business. And don't be shy about asking them why they haven't pursued these things. Anybody who is selling a business is going to be good at selling. And they need to see that one of the things that they need to be selling is the potential for where this business can go. And don't be shy about asking them. It's entirely okay for somebody to say, oh, one of the greatest avenues to pursue is building your own website and manage your own product online or growing the small-scale wedding and events or tapping into the funeral business or upselling the value of how much every order is that comes through the door. Or it's also okay for the existing owner to say the greatest opportunity is about looking for efficiencies and cutting costs. Both of those things are going to deliver an increased profit to the business. 100% the person who is selling the business needs to have wrapped their head around the fact that they need to actively sell the business. And in many cases, what I have found is most people who are selling an existing floral design business are doing it purely for emotional reasons, which means sometimes Time is not on their side, so they have a change of life circumstance, change in the family, wanting to physically move locations. Something's happening in their life where they're really feeling called to let the business go. And it's totally okay if the existing owner also says, you know what, 
the business is running quite well as it is and it brings in a decent income. It's incredibly emotionally fulfilling. It's not too taxing. They've figured everything out. And what you are doing is essentially buying yourself a job and an opportunity to be in charge of a business and refine this machine. So there really is no right or wrong answer to this question, but don't hesitate at all in terms of asking the existing owner what they see the greatest potential is for this business. And if you can get up the courage, start a conversation and ask them why they have not pursued it yet. And if their answer is, we just haven't made it a priority or we just haven't had the time, super, because you can do that. Because you can come in with fresh eyes and evolve and change what you think needs to be changed. Because this is the ultimate example of your business, your rules. Mm -hmm. Okay, moving on to the next one. And this is something that we didn't think about at all before we started this process way back when. But when you are buying a business... In 99.9% of the cases, you are also going to need to be considering the lease that comes with that business. So the exceptions being, if you're buying a floral design business that is based out of somebody's house and you're buying the physical assets and the goodwill that comes with that, or you're buying a business in a building that's also owned by the business. So it's entirely possible. The price point, obviously, with that is way higher. But in most cases, if you're buying a physical retail flower business, you need to take on board the fact that the lease is a massive consideration. It can work in your favor, or it could actually be considered a liability. So first question to ask, how much are they currently paying for rent in compared to the total amount of sales that they're turning over per year. Generally speaking, a good rule of thumb is somewhere between 8 to 12%. If it's less than that, fabulous, totally fabulous. If it's more than that, you better have a pretty good freaking reason why. The rental prices in our area are more expensive in many cases than they are in the high foot traffic areas of Sydney, Australia. So be smart about where you place your business and whenever you can make sure you lean towards the lower end of 10 to 12% of the amount that you're paying for rent as compared to your total turnover. Now, if you're looking at buying a business that has no signed lease, that they have their lease has kind of run out and the landlord has agreed to simply move month to month, this is a major red flag because that landlord can evict that business at any time and decide to allow another business in that does exactly what you want to do with no notice. On the flip side... If you're looking at buying a relatively new shop that has set itself up or signed a very long and expensive lease agreement, I would consider this a liability. They don't necessarily have the annual turnover 
to rationalize an expensive lease, let alone the fact that it is a five or 10 year agreement. So essentially what you're buying is a business that is trapped in that lease and you cannot move it for five to 10 years. So the two big red flags are a business that's been around for a long time that is set on a month to month lease, red flag, or a business that has not been around for a long time and does not have the proven expertise in the marketplace, but has committed themselves to a five to 10 year lease agreement. In an ideal scenario, I would say, and I'm kind of making this up, but I would say you want to be looking at a business that's been around for a longish period of time that has a fairly flexible time frame on the lease. So if you guys are interested, I'm happy to do an entire podcast on understanding the world of leases because it's a whole other bucket of quagmire information. But you can negotiate your lease for one year, three years, two years with the option to expend, extend for another two years, etc., etc., etc. Your landlord will come to you with what their framework is, and then you can always go back and say, this is the period that I want this lease to be agreed for, and then in that lease is what's considered an option, and that option is, within a set window, you, as the tenant, can go back to the landlord and say, we want to enlist the option and extend our lease for X period of time. Right. So instead of necessarily going in and signing a five- or a ten-year agreement, you can go in for a short-ish window, i.e. three years, and then negotiate in the options to extend that lease. So I will also say this whole bucket of lease agreements and understanding is find yourself a beautiful solicitor who you love and you trust because they will be able to explain all of this to you. And when you're going in to buy an existing physical retail store, you're as much buying that business as you are negotiating with that landlord to be in the place that you want to be. Now, you are absolutely allowed to go in and buy a business, and if the lease is up for renegotiation, if you want to move the business, you can move the business. But just remember that so much of the intrinsic value of what you're buying may be on the fact that that business has been in that location for that long. So... I just essentially want to say giant starburst next to the lease side of things because that can be as much of a headache as negotiating with the actual buyer, I should say seller, of the business. Yeah? Yeah. So just basically want to say don't lose track of the lease. Keep that top of mind along with essentially the profit and loss statement. When you're going in to look at buying an existing business, ask about the lease as early as you possibly can. In many instances, when you see a flower business listed for sale, they will actually talk about the lease within that context. And that's very helpful. The next point is documentation. What, if anything, is actually written down? For instance, if you were to walk in as the new owner on day one, would you actually know what to do? Without the old owner or any of the staff there, would this place operate as a machine and deliver for you the sales that have been delivered in the past as outlined on the profit and loss statement? 
100%. One of the best pieces of advice that I was given by our accountant because he put himself through university by going to McDonald's. <laughs> I should say, he put himself through university by working at McDonald's. And McDonald's, one of the greatest assets that they have is their operations manual. Every single thing is written down. And he suggested to us one day, maybe that's a good thing you can do in your shop. And I'll tell you right now, it was one of the best things that we ever did. And it's a pain in the ass and it's unglamorous, but so much value in having everything documented. You can pay a premium for a business that has everything documented. There is real value in having every single thing written down. Where is the product ordered from? How often is product ordered? How do you order? What's a typical staff roster? Who have you ever had on staff in the past? What's your actual pricing model? Do you have job descriptions for everybody? How do you deal with billing? How do you turn the lights on? How do you turn the lights off? Who handles your electricity? How are the windows clean? How is your website managed? How is your email coordinated? Everything and anything. And I will tell you right now, if you own and operate a business, start documenting every single system and process that you can think of because that will create definitive value when it comes to selling your business. If you have created a 50 to 70 page how-to guide or a manual for running your business, then expect to pay a premium for that. On the flip side, if nothing is documented, you, as the person looking to buy that business, have a lot of bargaining power and don't be shy about going in and suggesting a lower price point. I will also say, if somebody is advertising their business as turnkey or walk in and walk out, then you have every right to demand that every single thing is written down. Every single thing. And the person who's selling the business might think that you're a royal pain in the ass, but if they are truly asking the value that they're asking, the ticket price that they're asking for their business, and they're promoting it as turnkey, or walk in, walk out, that means that you need to be able to turn the lights on, on the day that you take the business on, and you will have no issues in being able to deliver the revenue that the person committed, that you could deliver based on their profit and loss statement, if it's considered turnkey and everything is documented. I will also say the next bucket to consider is staffing. So if you're buying an existing business and there is a list of staff members who are part of the business, it's not guaranteed that all of those staff members will decide to stay on when you buy the business. I have heard of buyers of businesses saying to the previous owner and writing into the actual sales contract, this person, this person, and this person must agree to stay on for ABC length of time. Right? So obviously you have to have the employees okay to do that, but you are allowed to negotiate and put into the actual contract of sale 
any agreements existing with employees. Also, don't be surprised if every employee decides that they're leaving if the previous owner is selling the business. So the whole world of staffing and employees is another space to navigate through. And early on in your negotiation, don't be shy about asking the existing owner if the staff members, if all the staff members know that they are selling the business and if they have started to have the conversation with their staff member as to if they're willing to stay on. And I will also say a great piece of advice that I was given ironically from the previous owner of the business that we bought, was to say, be hyper aware of accepting the opportunity of previous owners staying on as staff members. You might think it feels nice, but I will tell you emotionally it's going to prevent you from moving the business forward and truly making the business your own. So I will just repeat that again. Hesitate if the person who is selling you the business offers up and tries to say that they will stick around as a staff member. It is going to hamper your ability to progress the business forward. And you might think that's a nice touch to have, to have that knowledge and have that expertise. But I don't think it's worth it because I think if you're going out and looking at, build, at buying a potential business, that you are capable of amazing things. And I don't want to say that running a flower business is something that anybody can do because I don't think that's true. But I think if you are ambitious enough that you can learn it. And if the owner is so ambitious to say that they want to stay on as a staff member, Instead of taking up that opportunity, negotiate into your contract of sale a specific number of training days before the actual handover date. So when it comes to buying and selling a business, your lawyer is actually going to draw up a $100,000 million page contract that is the sale of the business contract. And you can Google the templates that is used in Australia, um, I think it varies slightly per state, but you can look up the actual template that is used for contract of sale of a business, and you can start to familiarize yourself with that. A lot of it is going to be just templated expectations, pages 2 to like 65, all come from a template with a few changes that are made in and out. Don't be shy about reading the existing template that exists on the interwebs. On the front page is going to be a very brief synopsis of what it is that you are buying. More importantly, all of the appendixes that are listed at the back of this document are going to outline the obligations between you and the person selling the business and very clearly articulate exactly what it is that you are buying. It's going to include a list of every single physical asset that is in there, any employees that have agreed to stay on, and if there's any contracts with them, any specific lengths of time. You can ask, you can literally ask anything. It's whether the seller's 
solicitor and the seller agree to actually put it into the contract of sale, but don't hesitate. You can ask for anything. You could ask for 100 days of training. You could ask for I don't even know what. But things like getting them to introduce you to key clients, being able to work with them in the shop for X number of days or X number of hours, getting them to articulate and write down every single thing, getting them to talk you through how the website's managed, getting you to introduce to wholesalers and all of the suppliers that they use. You have every right to go in there and ask them to educate them, educate you, I should say, as much as they could possibly know. Here is one of the greatest pieces of information that my dad told me. When you are going in to buy a business, people who are willing to buy businesses are rarer than people willing to sell businesses. So when you go to look at a house for sale, it's very common that you have a couple other potential buyers there if you're at the open house. And there may be even a potential few other people who actually put offers in. When it comes to buying a business, if you are interested in buying that business, you may actually be the only person who's interested in buying that business. Be patient. Don't be shy about negotiating. And understand that the person who is selling the business probably wants to sell the business even more than you want to buy that business. It's the definition of a motivated seller, which in most cases means you as the person buying the business have the upper hand. So food for thought. And if you are ever thinking about selling your business, I was once told that the average time in Australia for a business to sell is 6 to 12 months. 6 to 12 months. So if the thought crosses your mind that you want to take your business and put it up for sale, start thinking about that and put the word out there 6 to 12 months beforehand. There are businesses who are actually business brokers. Ask your accountant, ask your solicitor, ask your local chamber of commerce if they know anybody. Don't be shy about interviewing quite a few people. They make a hefty commission when they sell your business. If you happen to find or stumble across a listing on Craigslist, Gumtree, somebody's going to tell you that somebody's got a business up for sale, don't be shy about contacting them directly and trying to negotiate and work through the sale with them directly. Anything you can do to build a rapport with the existing owner is going to be in your favor. But trust me when I say buying and selling businesses is complicated and it's okay to say this is fucking hard (laughs) because it will test your patience like nothing else. But like I said before, one of the best five decisions I've ever made in my entire life was buying that daggy flower shop. So what else can I share? This is a 100% information overwhelm, but a few things to think about. You want to get access to their profit and loss statements for the last 
three plus years, you want that from their certified accountant, not just a random spreadsheet or an email that they send through to you. Ask them to outline for you their existing roster and their staff summary. Ask them if they can break out for you their sales by category. Do your own homework. Order your own flowers. Walk into the shop. Get your friends to walk into the shop. Order flowers online. Do anything you feel so inclined to do to understand what the current experience is like. Keep in mind... The whole situation around the lease is something that you need to consider right from the beginning. Don't forget to ask the seller where they see the greatest potential for the business. And don't underestimate the value of the documentation that comes with buying the business. And I will say, if somebody's advertising something as walk in, walk out, then almost everything needs to be documented. You cannot legitimately sell something as turnkey if it's not written down in a manual. Particularly if you're buying a business by somebody who started the business themselves and they've been running it and their family's been running it for 150, 60 billion years and everything is intuitive and ingrained in them, it's all going to be new to you. Don't be shy about asking them to write it down and don't be shy about asking questions. It is absolutely okay to walk in and get a really good vibe and say, ooh, I see a lot of potential here. But use the time that you have with the existing owner to your advantage. They will be a plethora of information. Pick their brain. And don't be shy about negotiating and put into the sale of contract Training time, specific expectations, documentation, how-to guides, anything and everything you could possibly think of. So, I am going to wrap it up there. That is a lot of information, and congratulations if you made it to the end. That is real dedication. (laughs) And I hope you have a beautiful day. If you are listening to this, please take a screen grab, share it on the Instagram, and tag me at littlebirdbloom, and I will share it out with the world. And also, remember to go in, rate, and review the podcast. And I hope you have a beautiful day, and I shall talk to you later. Bye for now.